Welcome to the Stoic Sage. In this podcast, we are dedicated to using past knowledge tested by time to empower people of today. This podcast series includes discussions around modern challenges utilizing wisdom from nearly 2,000 years ago with the goal of bringing about how to think rather than what to think. Welcome to the journey to sagehood. Stop aspiring to be anyone other than your own best self, for that does fall within your control. Epictetus Hello, my fellow Stoics. We are a couple days into autumn, which means the holidays are coming up. Family, food, and lots of it, traveling, and bundling up. That also means, however, preparation. Isn't it interesting that animals prepare for the winter months so they may thrive when spring comes around? But what about us? What about us Stoics? What do we do to prepare? We as Stoics thrive, at least in the modern day, in voluntary discomfort. Back in the day, obviously, it was a little bit of a forced (laughs) discomfort, but they would see it as voluntary discomfort. So the cold brings opportunity to test our bodies for adversity and stress. The cold brings the opportunity to socialize with family, friends, and strangers in close proximity, right? You're not really out on the beach anymore, anything like that. You're more in closed quarters. And especially during the stress of the winter months and the holiday stress, see it as an opportunity to see all of them as sparring partners for your mental resilience. Now, this is all just mental, right? It's what I'm mentioning, which plays an overarching role with today's topic, which is exercise. And I think we can all agree that exercise is absolutely important to each and every one of us. The impact is so great individually among family, and society in general. So what do some of the Stoics say about exercise? Well, I'm going to read you a couple of quotes by some of the great Stoics. So by Seneca the Younger, we ought to take outdoor walks to refresh and raise our spirits by deep breathing in open air. So we are one with nature, right? We humans came from nature and As to say, you know, caveman days, we lived amongst the animals. It's within our biology to require us to go outside and breathe the fresh air. By Plato here, lack of activity destroys the good condition of every human being while movement and methodical physical exercise save it and preserve it. So, even then, Plato even says, we need to be good. And in, this con- and in this way where he's saying it destroys the good condition of every human being, I mean, even mentally, our bodies require movement. I'll get into the specifics of exercise in a little bit, but movement is what he's saying. We need to be moving physically. Our body demands it. So, 
Another quote is, surely a person of sense would submit to anything, like exercise, so as to obtain a well-functioning mind and a pleasant, happy life. This is by Socrates. He knew the benefits, even way back when. The, the Stoics knew the benefits of physical exercise. It, re, it releases dopamine. It makes you happy to exercise. The final quote is, Even when all is known, the care of a man is not yet complete, because eating alone will not keep a man well. He must also take exercise. For food and exercise, while possessing opposite qualities, yet work together to produce health. And this is by Hippocrates. Yeah, food and exercise. Perfect timing for, you know, the going into the winter months, which is the holiday seasons. <laughs> Use it to your advantage. <laughs> so culturally, the ancient Romans believed that having some amount of fat, for example, was good. And if not, you know, it was absolutely necessary, especially for battle, which is to say um, they believed that more fat provided you with more protection. That way, if you get grazed, let's think about the modern bodybuilders, right? They are near 0% body fat. Well, that's, I know, that's nearly impossible to actually do, but near zero. Imagine these guys. And also, they're also portrayed in movies as well, which is interesting. But that's another topic. Um, but imagine these guys, super ripped, shredded, right? They get grazed by a knife. You're already hitting the muscle, if not even deeper. Whereas back then, they believed that strength with some fat was necessary for battle. Because if you cut them... And the, and the fat, it caught to the fat instead, you were less likely to bleed out. It was necessary, right? The statues of Rome are great examples. And in Greece, they all look big and they all look strong, right? They look, they have abs and big arms and chests. But they didn't look ripped. They didn't look shredded. They had some, some fat to them, which is, which is what was the ideal body type, especially in a world where war was the norm. But working out to them also built resilience, mental resilience. The Roman legions would work out all the time, especially new recruits. And here's the thing, to build that mental resilience, when it would rain, they would force them to go work out in the rain. And by working out, obviously, you know, their workout regimens are lost to time, but we know exactly how they were able to get to those formations and what kinds of trainings they did do. Specifically working out what we, is what we don't really know, but they would use the javelin, they would use the spears, they would uh, practice formations, they would purposefully practice them on rough terrain. They would purposefully work out or, you know, um, practice battle with heavier uh, equipment to build that mental resilience. They'd work out in the rain. When it started to snow, they were woken up and said, let's go out. We're going to go practice in the snow. And depending on where you came from, for example, if you were a city boy, they knew your life had more luxuries. And I know the luxuries back then are different than the luxuries now. But 
when compared with someone from the countryside, where someone from the countryside knew hard labor. They knew what going hungry felt like. They weren't a, a city boy. Even back then, the city boys also didn't really, you know, experience that level as, as much as the countryside kids. So they would make the city boys work harder. They would give them a different training regimen. And that's all written down. So we know that they needed to build mental resilience in those kinds of folks. So that's what some of the Stoics and the ancient Romans and, and the Greeks all had to say about exercise. That it's important because it builds mental resilience. In Plato's Republic, he also uh, mentions that a good citizen is somebody who is scholarly and somebody who is strong physically. And all of those were marks of good character. But we're living in modern days now. So what does, let's start off with what does science say? Well, science, first and foremost, let's start with the dopamine. I mean, the dopamine rush of knowing that you were able to lift a certain amount of weight. I know it can be unmotivating sometimes, but it's exceptionally good to walk in and lift a particular weight and then lift more and more each time you get addicted to it. You, you like the rush of becoming stronger. We like that. And here's an interesting thing, actually. As far as science goes, we as humans did not evolve to have motivation to work out. Of course, to exercise. You know, we run. We can outrun many animals. Outrun. Obviously, a lot of them are faster, but many will die of exhaustion before a human could. That is fantastic. That's amazing. We are one of the only animals in the animal kingdom that can outrun any animal. We can tire them into exhaustion. That is amazing. But that's besides the point. The motivation portion of it, what that part of our brain, we did not evolve to have. And that's really interesting because it really plays a, a really big role into, you know, everybody's always saying, you need to get motivated to go to the gym and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, oh, it's difficult. Well, it is. You can't deny that it is difficult. Motivation is not something that we were, that we evolved to have. Instead, what we have evolved to, to have is habits. We've, we are creatures of habit. And with each habit that we give ourselves, it's important to understand that we need to give it a reward for it. That way, the reward creates the motivation, not motivation creating the reward. Because it's difficult. It runs out. It runs out over time. So we have to work with the science as far as exercise and how we continuously work out. But what else does science say? As psychologically, it, it builds patience and appreciation for oneself. You begin to appreciate yourself and feel good about who you are and who you're becoming. It builds patience as far as you understand the amount of challenge that's required to get to where you want to be, to lose those five pounds or to gain those five pounds of muscle. It's, it takes time. It requires patience. 
and it builds confidence. Psychologically, it, it tells other people to give you respect, right? And obviously, it's not you walk in and you and you like demand respect because of the way you look. No, not necessarily. But we still have a lot of biological and mental structures that our ancient, ancient ancestors had, which is to say, if you were a caveman, um, and, and a very, you know, way back in the day with the Homo sapiens, the early, or the earlier so Homo, Homo sapiens, sorry, a little tongue twisted there. If you see the biggest guy there, I mean, are you really going to mess with him? No, probably not. And not only that, but you showcase strength and discipline to other partners as well, which back then, many of the females looked at that as useful to protecting children, to creating homes, to create, to, to hunting, all those basic biological needs. There's a reason why we like the way that looks, because it's still in our, in our biology. See, the thing is, at the end of the day, science will always say that the the body is made to move and to continue to move. And there's this thing with overtraining, right? Oh, you don't want to overtrain. No, I can't do can't do too much of this. I already worked out this body part and whatnot. But science will tell you that overtraining is actually extremely rare. Extremely rare. It is not at all a common thing that happens. Now, you can plateau and you can feel like, oh, I've been overtraining. No, 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 no. There's other ways around when you hit a plateau. But overtraining itself, which is a condition at which you get really big and you continuously, continuously work out, and then you end up starting to damage the muscle and you begin to shrink. That's in a nutshell. I know there's more to it. But in a nutshell, that's kind of what overtraining is. And the thing is, with bodybuilding, to the extreme as to say, having super low body fat has actually more adverse effects than good ones. You see, your body needs fat. By having that little of fat, and I'm talking people again about uh, near zero, you are essentially on the brink of starvation since your body naturally uses fat reserves when it needs energy. And if you're constantly at a super low uh, body fat percentage, your sex drive, for example, actually decreases. Why? Because when you're starving, your mind only cares about getting food. So think about the next time you want to follow this or that particular bodybuilder's regimen. A lot of times following those people, I mean, that's their job. Their job is to look like that. That way you can buy into whatever they're selling. And not only that, but we can't deny that. Statistically speaking, one in eight people that go to the gym with you at your local gym are on steroids. And that's, I'm not obviously claiming people are on steroids all the time or anything like that. That's just a, a statistical average. One in eight people you encounter at the gym have or has or is on steroids. And that's just interesting, right? It's interesting to make you think of what's really at stake as far as bodybuilding. But let's pivot away and, and you know pivot into that direction, which is into the bodybuilding industry. So what does that industry really say about exercise? See, 
a lot of times they actually feed into your insecurities. They're always saying, oh, you want to get like this? That's already approaching you from a direction of lack, something you are lacking. Do you want to look like me? Hey, if you want to get pecs like this, hey, if you want to get arms like this, it's already from a direction of something you don't have already. They're already playing into your insecurity by doing that. That's just a mental game that they do, right? And hey, you want to have the juiciest pump ever? Try out my my uh, my workout plan and I'll help you get there with this food regimen and whatnot. They're basically selling you something so... At the end of the day, there's always a gimmick. And don't overtrain, so use my workout regimen to build the fastest body. When a lot of times, it's not really backed entirely by science. Because if you think about it, just like the, I mean, a lot of people will use this as an example, the medical industry, or the pharmaceutical industry, big pharma, they don't want to cure everything. They just want to treat the source, right? Because then, and the, and the example is, oh, well, if everybody's healthy, then the industry would just fail, right? And that's just obviously just a grandiose statement. There's more to that, obviously. But that's the point. They make these workout regimens very long and a little too strict, you know? It, it makes you feel as though you miss a day. Well, damn, now I have to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess up the whole schedule because on Mondays it's chest day and I missed a Monday, but I don't want to miss that Monday. So it kind of throws you off and discourages people. The bodybuilding industry, in a way, is a toxic industry. Uh, a bit toxic. <laughs> Not entirely. There's some great people out there. But a lot of times they won't give you the facts or the methodology. And so what should modern Stoics think about about exercise. Well, going back to the whole winter is coming comment at the beginning of the podcast, use this time to build mental strength. Control your cravings of sweets and, and excess in eating. Remember that summer bodies are built in the winter time, not in the summertime. You want to look good once it starts getting warmer to be on the beach. You're there. You're ready for summer. You're ready to do the hiking. You're ready to get out there and start playing basketball. You're ready to go play tennis. You're ready to go hit the bars at, 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 the, at the nightclubs and whatnot and look good and feel good. Whatever is your lifestyle. It, all of that is built as far as your body goes during the winter time. So use logic and reason. Will you become a bodybuilder? right? A professional bodybuilder. Is that what you truly want? And if not, I mean, why restrict yourself with the fad workouts or diets that are being showcased to you? You want to create a long lasting lifestyle. You want, you want to be able to feel good long-term, not short-term. And then, oh no, the workout plan is done. I guess, uh, I guess I'm done for a while. Let me take a break. But no, it's a lifestyle. So we know more today than ever before about science, about our bodies. And the bodybuilding industry 
is trying to always sell you some sell you something, right? So take some of their advice, but also don't idolize their bodies. That is their job to look that way. It is their job to restrict themselves to that magnitude to look good on the stage. They are being judged by something, by some group of people. That's how they get paid. That's their career. So don't think entirely that you want to get to that level of standard when that's not a career path that you want to take, especially if it truly isn't. I mean, it's okay if you want to um, get to that level just at least once in your lifetime. That's totally fine. But also know the limitations of your lifestyle, your livelihood, your career, your daily life. I mean, all of those take into account. Look at things realistically. Right. Stoics should understand that part of it. Right. And instead, employ a methodology to working out. You shouldn't want to work out to be seen a certain way, but instead feel good about your capabilities. All the respect and potential partners you pull in are the result of the things you build right? They shouldn't be the reason why you do them. And why is this important? Why is this important to distinguish? Because you will end up in the, in the world of excess, where your self-image drives your mental well-being instead of it serving your higher purpose. And that's really important. That's very important. So let me give you guys some just workout tips as far as what I've talked about when I'm mentioning methodology, right? So like I said, we know more about science today than ever before. And I'm not going to try to sell you guys a workout regimen or, or anything like that. And I by no means am um, a bodybuilder or anything like that. I mean, I want to build just a strong, healthy lifestyle. I'm building my body today for my, for my 30s. And then in my 30s, I'm going to continue building for my 40s, making sure that I'm not damaging myself and or creating unhealthy lifestyles. That's the point, right? But I want to be strong. I want to be functional. That's the big thing. Because, I mean, realistically speaking, I'm not going to be a bodybuilder. And the people who are bodybuilders, I mean, it's what, like... 4%, 2%, 1% of the population is actually professional bodybuilders. So the majority of everybody else is just working out just to feel strong, feel good. So a couple of things. Legs, right? Your legs are used every single day. I don't think the legions, the Roman legions that were walking with 60 pounds, 60 plus pounds, 25 Roman miles, um, every other day, I don't think they complained about overtraining. <laughs> Why? Because they were the best. They literally won so many wars in, in antiquity. They were the top of their game. They were the peak. Like there, there was nothing to compare at that point. <laughs> and they were walking every single day with 60 pounds on their back. What I'm trying to say is your legs are meant to be used every single day. And there's been many bodybuilders and, uh, um, you know, physiologists who have tested this as well. 
where your legs, if they're used every single day, why not you work them out every single day? It's okay to do it. Here's the difference, though. You see, the human body is so complex. There's, a, there's muscles that reach from the posterior port of, portion of your body to the anterior portion of your body that basically opposing parts of your body but help keep you upright. The body is a, an extremely complex thing. The point I'm getting at is squatting every single day. I mean, I've seen people do it. However, what I generally do is I do do a sort of leg day every single day. But what I would do is I would do a squat day one day. The next day I'll do leg extensions. The next day I'll do um, leg curls. I'll work out calves nearly every single day. And I mean, just vary, just variations, some deadlifts. Because again, your legs are already used every single day. I mean, a lot of times they aren't even used enough because of how much we're sitting now. They are made to be used every single day. So why not use them every single day? They're the thing that's going to hold you up for the remainder of your life. And you don't want it to be strong. I mean, you don't want it to be used to walking um, so long. I mean, there's um, hikers that, that hike hours and hours. I mean, you know how long it takes to get up to Mount Everest? It takes so long. I don't think they're complaining about overtraining. <laughs> legs are meant to be used every single day. Go ahead and do it. Use your legs every single day. Don't let a regimen tell you that only on Fridays you have to work out your legs and grow an appreciation for it too. Because again, they're going to carry you into old age. You want them to be strong. You want them to be able to hold you up when you want to get up, off the toilet seat, and back on. <laughs> They need to be strong. So keep moving them. And the thing is with creating um, a well-rounded body, right? If you want to make your body look good, a couple of things to, to uh, keep in mind is at the end of the day, and this was during the Bronze Age of the bodybuilding scene, uh, create illusions. I mean, what I had mentioned um, psychologically where you sort of demand respect from people as far as your body goes. Your body demands that respect. Create illusions. Focus on creating illusions, which is to say there's always this Dorito chip looking fellow that everybody likes to, you know, he's, he's a jock. He's the really wide shoulders and very tiny waist. At the end of the day, he created an illusion. So what does that mean? If you want that illusion, what are you going to want to do? Make the top part of your body longer, you know, going more uh, horizontal, which is to say, work out your back, more pull downs and more shoulders. That will make your body grow outwards, creating the illusion that you look wider. So those are just, a, you know, more he heavy emphasis as far as focus for what you're trying to achieve, right? And another thing is build for function. You know, so you want to be able to be functional. You have to understand that a lot of these bodybuilders, a lot of them look strong and a lot of them are strong. I'm not doubting they are. But when it comes to these IF, IFBB, I believe that's what it's called, um, they're not all ridiculously strong. They're not crazy, crazy strong. And a lot of times they're not entirely functional as far as they're, they're very stagnated 
movements. But you see, your body, and think about your body in the natural day-to-day. You aren't just using, you aren't just doing lateral raises on the day-to-day. No, but you're using your shoulders still, are you not? To get out of bed. You're using your shoulders to get up from your seat. You're using your shoulders to carry the grocery bags. You're, I mean, you're uh, using your shoulders to reach over and grab something slightly heavy to bring it over to you from the passenger seat while you're in the driver's seat of the car. So think about movements like that. You should be building for function, making sure that you're, you know, if you're working out, work out your knees as well. And yes, there are workouts that are specific for your knees. There are uh, ankle exercises, strengthening ankle exercises. There, uh, your hip flexors are extremely important. Those need to be worked out as well. When it comes to um, stagnated workouts, making sure that you can hold something, not just move something from A to B, it's also important to hold things. Because like I said, on a day-to-day basis, you're not just moving things, but you're also holding things. So you need to have the ligaments um, and the tendons that, con- that that connect to your bone and your muscles just as strong. So build for function, you know, and use it too. You know, I, I had mentioned it well earlier in the podcast, but it blows my mind that sometimes some of these exercises, some people move their body in um, careless ways. For example, um, uh, with heavy doors, when they're moving heavy doors, instead of pulling with what you would expect in the gym from a pulling exercise, you would be pulling with your back and your bicep. And a lot of people will just twist their whole body and effectively pulling on their shoulder rotator cuff ligaments all in that area and trying to use momentum to open the door and then later on down the road which we are impacted by today's actions later down the road and as far as physical pain and and the things that are that, that we have issues with we're impacted by just even those things i mean if you're pulling on a door like that that's all you ever do to pull doors open i mean it's going to catch up to you eventually right so use with function as well build to be old and strong right you don't want to be we all don't want to be old and frail we want to be old and strong we want to be able to hold our grandchildren so build for that think of that and decide what you do today and most importantly with all of this working out tips remember to build discipline Discipline is one of the best things that you can build with working out. By creating a regimen for yourself, building it for yourself is extremely important. Understanding the methodology of why you're doing what you're doing, having a purpose behind it, and having the discipline drive that purpose. But those are a couple of my workout tips. I do plan on making a blog about it or something just to go into a little bit more um, detail. I mean, I know that some people like to see a workout regimen actually broken down into, well, what should I do on this day? Well, what should I do on this day? But um, maybe I'll come up with something like that. We'll definitely see. But 
that's the end of this portion for exercise and the Stoics. So I really hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you for listening in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help out the show. If you would like to check out Stoic Sage merch or read about the blog, please go to stoicsage.co. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, don't forget to become a member for our new exclusive Stoic Sage episodes. You can sign up using the link in the bio. I wish you well, fellow Stoics, on your path to sagehood.